All right, let me get to my light bulb moment of the week, which I think will be a good segue over to uh, Kelly. Uh, so I just, over the last several days, have attended uh, parts of the Aveda Congress Festival in Minneapolis. It was a great event, well attended, and wow, it was just great to see a lot of people that I've known for a very long time. And uh, there were some lessons to come out of that that I want to share, and this will kind of be a segue into uh, Kelly in a moment here. Uh, one, one of my roles uh, at the conference was on Saturday, uh, I hosted a two and a quarter hour session um, with the school owners, directors, managers, as well as those from the Aveda Beauty brand. And my job really was to just facilitate conversations. And so we used, we used our facilitation method with nine grids, how we break up groups, how we do the topics. And so uh, it went really well um, because, again, my objective was just to get people talking to each other on critical issues and to create some innovation. So uh, I was the afternoon, and the morning was a gentleman by the name of Jonas, along with his father. You'll have to forgive me. Somebody might be able to put in the chat that those who they are. Um, but it, well, I'll reference the name of the company. It was Gen, Gen Guru, and it was a... A uh, young gentleman, 25 years old, uh, with his with his dad, and they're in this space of generational, uh, embracing the next generation and how it affects your business model and all of that. So it really was about bringing the audience up to speed on this generation. It was very powerful. It was great, and they put up some slides uh, showing the breakdown of different generations. And I was so tempted to ask a question, but it wasn't my place. Uh, I was in the room as a uh, afternoon facilitator. And the question that I wanted to ask is with um, uh, 80, um, uh, I think it's 80 million, I forget the number, but a big chunk of the population is still made up of baby boomers. And we also know that two thirds of small businesses are owned by baby boomers. And at some point, a transition is going to either, there's only a few options. Either a business can transition to someone else, um, or it can be just uh, just close, uh, or you know fill in the blank and other options. And to me, the generational opportunity that's not really being talked about in the beauty industry is the incredible opportunity for the upcoming generation to have a fairly valued small businesses that's taken a generation to build. And to really say, wait a minute, you know, in terms of a career in beauty, a career in beauty uh, could mean um, a faster track to opening, um, uh, uh, to being, being an owner of a salon business or spa, and to do it in a way that it has the highest likelihood of success. The highest likelihood of success for a salon opening, uh, I'm sorry, for a new salon owner, is to buy a salon that's already in place. And there's going to be a lot that are going to be for sale in a short amount of time. And so that's one of the reasons why we're doing this workshop in Atlanta is to not just address the needs of the uh, party that wants to go or maybe just significantly let go an owner that maybe it's like time to get out from behind the chair. It's time to take more than, you know, more than two weeks of vacation. I mean, like even taking two weeks vacation. So um, anyway, so I just I just think that part of the generational conversation 
uh, should be the immense opportunities that are going to be coming up the pike in, sh in, sh in, um, in, in, in the upcoming years. And the other thing I noticed when I was at the Congress Festival was I ran into some people that were part of a transition um, process back around 2018 and 19 and literally ran into like five people that had completed the transition. They're the new owners and they're doing really good and they're really happy. And the salon owners that decided to sunset and sell their business also are doing really good and you know, really happy. Now, it's not an easy process to get to that point, but the whole point here is when we talk about generational um, uh, opportunities and segments, um, there is a massive part of the generational conversation um, that is going to become more prevalent, and that is generational transfers of ownership. Anyway, that's my soundbite of the week, and that is my light bulb moment of the week. How are you today, Kelly? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I've been dying to have you as a guest for a while here. So here we are, huh? Here we are coming in hot, right? Like I said. <laughs> Social media is changing a lot and it's coming in hot and I can't <laughs> wait to unpack that. So it. first of all, a little bit about you. I mean, you and I met uh, um, once. One, yes. I think it was like one time. And we were co-presenters at a PBA something, a PBA regional event. And and uh, you did a great job back then. I mean, it had to be like 10 years ago. And um, basically, it was me, you, and one other presenter. And my recollection, it could be off. I think we all went to the bar afterwards. I and, think we did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the three of us, it was me, you, and Steve Gomez. Uh, we just sat there. And we just chatted and got to know each other. And then, poof, I haven't seen you in probably a decade. But I've watched you, and I've seen what you've grown. And my gosh, you have a legit business here um, and something that's a force to be reckoned with. So congratulations on what you've created since 2009. Thank you. It's been, it's been an incredible ride and incredible run. And, you know, it's, it's in part mostly to the wonderful people that I've surrounded myself with, uh, you know, higher, smarter than, than you are. Right. Uh, and I took that to heart all, over all these years. So I didn't really unpack your bio. I'll, yeah. I'll get some snippets right now, okay. but it is in the email invite. So we'll highlight a few things. So um, uh, Kelly is a pioneer in the once uncharted social media space, a president and founder of the Evoke Agency, uh, which is inclusive and innovative digital uh, agency established in 2009, specializing in content creation and digital management. Um, you take a unique approach. I want to I unpack this one to leadership and company organization. And your motto, is this legitimately your company's motto? The nice girl does win? You know, I think it's it's definitely been mine over the years. And we like to sort of infiltrate that within the organization because we've been known uh, as, uh, referred to as the smart, nice agency. And I'll take that all day. So I'm on the other side of the border from you yep. in Minnesota. You're in Wisconsin. <laughs> And uh, over here, we have something called Minnesota Nice. Are you suggesting there's a Wisconsin Nice too? Indeed. I think it might even straddle the whole Midwest because I'm originally from Iowa and I think my nice started there. <laughs> That's right. And you went to Iowa State, I noticed. I uh, and I went to University of Iowa. So we could have oh, a conversation ooh. about that. You have, a, you have a team of more than 40 people. Mm -hmm. That's a, yep. And um Anyway, and you, you've also received certain accolades and you've got some street credit in some areas I'll get to. 
Uh, you were named the fourth fastest growing company in Wisconsin in 2016, uh, 24th fastest growing market agency by Inc. Magazine. Uh, you also um, are a contributing author with Forbes. Right. I did have a chance to scan some of your articles, by the way. Um, and there's some great topics, including a topic about generation. Um, yeah. I think you recently wrote an article back earlier this year about, I think, the alpha generation, right? Yeah, right. So, so your articles are about mm -hmm. um, um, a, a chat GPT. You talk about the thread, which I don't think anybody knows anything about that. Uh, you got a ton of followers. You won a Titan Award uh, in the state of Wisconsin. So you got some great street credit. Thank you. It's it's the hustle is real, Tom. <laughs> well, and you know, let's let's go back a little bit here because uh, you said your your mother um, yeah. was a hairstylist or is a hairstylist. She, you know, she's a she's a she's the kitchen hairstylist now. Isn't that the saying? Because she actually retired, but she was a salon owner and stylist for forty years. And so I grew up in the back of her salon back in the day when there were no electronics, just my light bright just my good old light bright, um, dusting shelves, you know, doing all of the things. So the salon industry is no doubt in my blood and very proud, proud of that. I also would be remiss if I didn't mention the T's, yes. um, which is really uh, filled a very big gap. Uh, just give us maybe a 20 second on the T's mm -hmm. here. Yeah, you bet. So working in the industry for, you know, 13 plus years, we really noticed a void in the marketplace as far as the salon professional media, right? So we we thought, hey, we're going to come to the table, be an intentional firebrand and, and, and shake it up a little bit. So we focus on smart, candid reporting, diversity and inclusion, texture, gender, equality, mental health, all of the topics that we're seeing in consumer beauty, but we're not leading over into the pro beauty space. And so we're here to do hair culture beauty better. We're uncovering communities and having conversations better and in a unique and different way. So, um, you know, ultimately we want to elevate the hairdresser and that is the, the soapbox that I will stand on and shout from the rest of my career. Um, and that, those are the types of things that we're doing at the T's. You know, you mentioned in your conversation, I circle this, that uh, from from uh, gra elevate the industry from grandfather to guidance counselor. Yes. You know, we, 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 we've got some alignment because I often talk about um, helping professionals in the industry from cradle to grave. Oh, okay. You know, cradle really being the students and, and grave is a nice sunset into what's next in their life at whatever's appropriate to them. So I see a lot of alignment. Um, yeah. Now, before we get into the core components of social media that are changing, what, what it yeah. might look like for our listeners here. Um, I, I, I have to be transparent with you. I'm not very active in social media. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes I wonder, and you know, there's a lot of personal reasons for that. I don't like necessarily like, I don't need to uh, let the world know that I love my wife and daughter and my son on the designated <laughs> days to acknowledge well, I didn't them. do I that just, either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need to, uh, and, and I'm not being critical of anybody that you know, I don't need to post my meals or anything like that. And I, I I'm pretty inactive. Okay. And at the same time, I know a lot of other really, really successful people that are not in social media at all. Yep. So this is this is maybe a little personal advice to me, if you if you'll indulge me. So am I really missing the boat by not being more active in social media? 
You know, I don't think you need to be active per se and putting out your content, but I do think that you need to be consuming the media at some point, right? So whether it is Facebook, Instagram, or it is TikTok, just from that relevancy perspective, I mean, even, you know, I admittedly am not an avid, avid consumer, certainly I should probably say I am, right? Um, A handful of hours a day, but it's important to know what cultural trends, movements, and topics are out there. So at least like give it a couple blushes a day. Um, But as far as posting your daughter on National Daughter's Day, what what the naive user does not know is that that's an algorithm play. And we'll get into the algorithms a little bit um, and AI and algorithm play because now the social media channels have identified the face of your daughter, um, the relationship with, and can now feed you different content based on that. So I sat that one out (laughs) as I do some of those other trends. Well, you know, I do. I should clarify what I'm saying in terms of missing the boat. I act, actively do consume and stand. Okay, great. And, Wonderful. But I'm a, spec, I'm a spectator. And, and um, yeah, so. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine to be a spectator, um, engage where you want and when you want. Keep in mind that when you like content, you share content, um, you view content, that's all going to shift your algorithm. So, you know, sometimes you're like, I haven't seen any of this. Somebody's talking about what Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, what? Um, it might be because it might be because you aren't engaging with that content. So the more you're engaging with that content, the more the algorithms are going to feed additional content to you. So um, keep that in mind uh, when you are consuming, but I do think that's an important part. Not necessarily that you have to participate, but consuming is great. All right, let's get to the topic on what's changing and why okay. it really matters. And and um, I'm going to be listening. I, I, I actually invited some other people to be on this session today in particular, because I think you've, you've, you're going to share something very important with us. So let's go for it. So what's changing? Right. Yeah, so I think what we're going to see in 2024 and as we round out 2023 is with the emergence of, you know, obviously TikTok is not new, right? But we're seeing other platforms try to compete with the pull of TikTok. What I mean by that is, you know, live content, less edited content. But if I zoom it all back, what brands are doing wrong right now is the bigger brands get, maybe the bigger a salon network gets, they're treating social media like TV, print, out of home, billboards, right? It's just too vanilla and there's not enough output. Um, It's not strategic in context and they're just posting for the sake of posting, which is something you shouldn't be doing if you don't have a plan or a strategy because just posting on social media is not social media marketing, right? Let that one sink in. Just because you're posting on social media does not mean it's social media marketing. So really pulling it back to think about the content that you're posting. We can get into content certainly, um, but we take a look at consumer-centric versus channel-centric. So Be on a social platform because your consumer is there, right? Let's say your demographic might be women, you know, 45 plus, right? In your local area. Um, Where are they at? They're most likely not on TikTok, right? Are they on Instagram or is their sweet spot really Facebook? So thinking about what are the platforms, where is your consumer, and then investing in content within those platforms. Um, Nobody wants boring content either. I mean, you see it, you scroll right past it, right? I think that's why TikTok has taken off as it has. So you need content that works for you, works for your brand, or works for your salon. Got it. Okay. So this is really about being very strategic 
and not just going through the motions, yeah. um, but really um, digging deep. And I think your, your soundbite there, uh, a social post does not equal social media marketing. Right. Let's continue on, continue on this thread. Uh, okay. let's, yeah, let's keep diving deeper into this. All right. So if you're saying, great, what type of content do I need to be posting? I don't, I don't even know what the word content means. Content is video, uh, content is photo, right? Content is live as well. Um, so anything um, within those realms relates to content, right? So the most important thing is to make sure you're posting strategic, quote unquote, organic content. What that means is it needs to feel organic and it needs to get your point across. So 58% of Instagram users say they, they like and share um, content from a brand when it's unpolished. 58%, right? Mm. So I believe gone are the days of over-polished content. What I mean by that is, you know, in the, in the past, we used to have a production, we still have a production studio, but would be producing content, um, video snippets, 15, 30 seconds that may take five to eight hours to produce one piece of content. The consumer is not necessarily responding to that anymore. It needs to be a bit more unpolished. Also thinking about what value does it bring, right? So back to the vanilla. Don't go vanilla. It needs to fall in one of these categories, education, inspiration, entertainment, support, motivation, humor, relevancy, and connection. Oh, I, I'm not going to be the only one to ask you to repeat that one. All right. All right. Here we go. Education. <laughs> right. Yeah. Inspiration. Yeah. Entertainment. Support. Motivation. Humor relevancy and connection. So okay. what value is your piece of content bringing, right? We do a lot in the pro space on the education and inspiration standpoint, right? And then you'll also see some of the, you know, entertainment humor in the memes, the trending content that's out there. Um, and then making sure that it's relevant, right? So if you're a salon owner and you're saying, what does relevancy mean to my audience? Well, you know, we can all achieve the perfect blowout when we're sitting in your chair, right? But when we go home, we don't know how to do it. We're not going to recreate it. So what type of content could be relevant to your consumer it might be something like, here's how you hold a round brush, right? Here's how you section the hair. If you want this desired look, that also is education for our consumers as well. Gotcha. So. <clears throat> All right. So um, I'm trying to think of like a before and after example. So yeah. what a client might have done and maybe you can use one of your own case studies without revealing a client's name. So what did they do in the past and yeah. what, what are they doing now? Yeah. So we work with even outside of the salon professional space, a few lifestyle brands and a couple of the biggies out there. I won't name the name, um, but we completely revamped their social strategy about about three to four months ago, that's going to really lead the path into 2024. So what that was before, it was an, a relatable, tried and true, it's definitely on your shelf or your grandparents' shelf at home products, right? And so how do we make something like that relevant? They have the street cred, right? They've got the the background, they've got the scientific knowledge that we're bringing to the table, but there's a lot of emerging competitors out there that are hipper, newer, cooler, right? More relevant. And so how do we do that with an old tried and true brand? The content strategy really shifted to, you know, it used to be the need was, you know, hero shots of the product, 
here's why you should use this product and when you should use this product to a complete shift to we threw out everything we knew about their audience, about social, and we really revamped it to be much more relevant. So what that means is we have content that's ebbing and flowing hour by hour. So if there is a TikTok trend um, on, let's say, how to mix cottage cheese. Remember that? I don't know if you remember the cottage cheese trend on TikTok, but it was like cottage cheese could basically take on any flavor of any food you're trying to mimic. So how do you make something like cottage cheese trend on TikTok relevant to this product? Well, we did it and we're doing it, right? Another trend is this just went viral the other day. Someone has a piece of bread. They squeeze an entire bottle of ranch on a sandwich and eat it. Sounds ridiculous, which it is, right? But how do you get the brand conversation in that type of trending content? And that has to be real time, right? It's the real time personalization of the brand. And it shows that the brand is relevant versus producing just a pack shot of the product and saying, here's why you should use it. We're inserting the brand into the relevant conversation that's happening today. So um, for anyone out there thinking, how in the world do I do that? Um, if you aren't consuming you know, TikTok or Instagram, um, find someone in your salon that is and talk about those trends. So from a TikTok perspective, um, the algorithm really favors a variety of different things. And I'm going to get into the if you're okay, Tom, to get into some of the geeky stuff here. Yes, yes, please do. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd like Okay, that. we're going to talk about TikTok. So 15% of product discovery um, in, in, our, in our world happens on TikTok, which is crazy high if you think about it. 15% of product discovery, new product discovery happens on TikTok. And that's competing with TV, billboard, print, word of mouth, email marketing, direct mail, radio, podcast advertising, 15%. So if you're a manufacturer out there and you're not on TikTok, like whoop, the train's leaving without you. We're going to need to get on that. Give me a call. Um, but from an algorithm perspective, there's a couple of things to look at. So it favors TikTok content, TikTok favors content um, from a user activity perspective. So how active are you on the platform? If you're like, I have a TikTok, I think we post once a week or maybe once a month you're not active on the platform, right? That's really important. The more active you are, the more active a brand or a salon is on TikTok, the higher up it's gonna pull in the TikTok algorithm. What that means is um, the, more, the more engaged with the algorithm you are, the more people are going to see your content, the more popular you're gonna be in layman's term. We also talk about subject matter, right? So if TikTok understands that there are four things trending, I mentioned Taylor Swift, and the Chiefs player, right? Um, I does, you know, that went off pretty big with people making up memes. Are you involved in that from your salon, from your brand perspective? Our brands were on Monday morning, they had TikToks, they had memes, they had Instagram memes, reels, shares, stories um, with memes about Taylor and Kelsey, right? That's not his first name, right? Travis Kelsey. Okay. Right, okay. Yeah. User activity, subject matter. Number three. Lo location and language. So making sure that you are engaging with people in your particular location geographically. The fourth one is audio. Audio is big. So a lot of trending sounds, trending voices, trending voiceovers, trending um, songs um, are paired with popular content, paired with memes. If you're jumping on the audio trend, let's say it is a before and after, but it's 
dubbed over with Miley's new song um, and TikTok recognizes and prefers that song, you're going to pull up higher in the algorithm as well. So to round this out, the most valuable content on TikTok specifically is video views and engagement, right? So making sure that we have views and engagement. And then finally, the content gold, if you will, is tagging onto an audio trend plus a video trend, right? So what could that be? Um, we'll talk about relevancy, right? So again, Taylor and Travis are walking out of the locker room together. It's the first time we've seen them together, right? So it's a video of them with maybe a dubbed over song of one of Taylor's hits, right? So thinking about what's trending on audio, what's trending on video, and then inserting your brand into that conversation is going to help you as well. Also content on TikTok, we call it edutainment. Um, I don't think we made up that word, um, but entertainment plus education, it has to be both. So edutainment is where you're going to hit there. Um, another trend on TikTok that we're going to see, um, and then I'll get off the TikTok bandwagon. I could switch over to YouTube, or I mean, switch over to Instagram, um, is in 2023, TikTok announced e-commerce capabilities, right? So now we can shop on TikTok. Um, I believe they're making a pretty big run for Amazon in the fact that in 2024, there's now going to be fulfillment capabilities through the TikTok platform. So think about that from a CPG perspective, from a product perspective, we can now sell and drop ship on TikTok, right? Pretty crazy if you think about where they're headed. All right. That's, uh, that's like a, <laughs> you know, a crash course that, that's super powerful. Thank you. And I know a lot yeah. of people are like taking notes. So, <laughs> well, I can talk a little bit about Instagram. I don't want to leave that one out, Tom, if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to go to Instagram. Okay. Um, and so when you and I talked, so this is what you referred to as the big changes next year. So for yeah. example, with TikTok, so you're highlighting one of the things that's changing a lot, changing a lot, and it's coming in hot, and that would be TikTok um, possibly becoming a marketplace, right? Correct. Marketplace okay. that can fulfill, right? It's a marketplace now, mm. but now a brand to the platform, and it's all coming in 2024, will be able to have fulfillment services. So I purchase XYZ shampoo through a TikTok ad. Um, I click it. I go all the way through and the manufacturer works with TikTok to fulfill it on my doorstep. Wow. That I is, know. No, I mean, when they really unpack that idea, I mean, that's huge. It uh, is. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I want to go to Instagram. I okay. want to pause for a moment here. And yeah. I just want to put, put myself in the shoes of I'm a, um, I'm, I'm a small business owner, yep. um, salon, spa, maybe even a school. We'll leave it at salon and spa. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've got, I'm a micro, micro business. I'm under 5 million in revenue. And I don't exactly have a lot of cash flow to be adding to the team or, you know, having an agency or something like that. Um, this could feel daunting to a small business owner. I mean, yeah. does everybody need like a full-time social media manager? Yeah, I think it's really daunting. And even, you know, back in the day when I was doing a lot of speaking and educating on social when it was new, right? Um, this is one of the topics is like, how do I handle social with my salon? I've got, you know, 10 chairs, 20 chairs, two chairs, or I'm an independent, right? Stylist. I think that you do need to have a dedicated 
uh, resource, not necessarily a full-time employee that is thinking about that, but I'm sure hands down, someone in your salon is an avid user, poster, creator on one of these platforms, whether it's TikTok or Instagram. Um, And I would make that part of their um, role and job description, right? And maybe it's split between two or three people. If I'm in on Mondays, my, my colleagues in on Tuesdays, my other colleagues in on Saturdays, make it part of their daily engagement. Um, um, a spa that I fr- frequent here, um, they actually have their particular um, team members each have a professional profile on Instagram that relates to the spa. And then within their quote unquote job contracts, it's that they need to have at least seven posts a week about something oh. about the salon or spa. Yeah. So it's an obligation. It's something that's set up clearly at the begin of, beginning of employment. And, you know, some are better than others, right? Some are digital natives, some are non-digital natives, but they still do it um, and it still works uh, for them. And then think about that. If you've got 10 employees, they've got to have seven posts a week. That's 70 pieces of content, right? So from a salon owner perspective, you've got all this content that you can regram UGC repurpose on your channels and we're making it easy. It's just part of the job requirement, right? Snap a before and after, do a quick tour of the back room, somebody dancing with a broom, whatever it might be, add some personality into your location and then let that content, those tentacles of that content um, really uh, be like a a spider web of content out there, right? Um, Have your team work for you too. Yeah, I, uh, that's a bit of a light bulb moment right there. Uh, this whole idea of uh, making it part of someone's uh, a job, a job description, a minimum amount of posting. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's a new idea. Maybe someone else can yeah. put in the chat that they've done that, but I have not heard that before where um, a business actually put for a frontline yeah. producer that part of their job requirement is at least seven social media posts a week. That's, yeah. yeah. And, you know, here's the thing is that um, from an algorithm and feed perspective, right? Um, so the woman I go to, her name is Anne. And I see Anne's post because I engage with it because I'm interested in what she's doing. I'm interested in the specials. I'm interested in the new products that are coming. I'm interested in the new techniques that are happening. And so I engage with her, like that content, message her on Instagram. And so her content is pulled to the top of my algorithm. What that means is I will see her stories more often than perhaps the salon itself. Right. So think about those individual relationships that you have with your stylist in particular. Um, You know, you're following them. You're interested because they're an integral part of your life and how you feel. And so there's that trusted advocacy there, too. So I know James um, in the chat just posted, should we have someone collecting content daily on the salon floor? And that relates back to it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, Maybe somebody has, again, a day of the week. You have minimum required posts. Um, maybe somebody curates that specifically for the salon, pick somebody who's passionate about it. You've got new stylists coming right out of school. They're probably consuming three to four hours of social content a day. Um, let them be part of the solution uh, and the brain power and creativity behind the salon. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Let's go to Instagram. All right. And you might also be addressing something you and I discussed uh, which was the uh, concept of Insta Famous. Yeah. So tell us about Instagram. 
Okay. So Instagram, this is, I think going to be a light bulb moment because, you know, we, we consume Instagram, we, we scroll, we look at the stories on the top, right? Like what's new, what's happening, but there's actually four algorithms working at once within, within Instagram An algorithm in very layman's terms is the formula behind the scene for when and how your content is seen and fed to people. So you think, oh, I just think it's being fed to me. I like it. I'm going to, I'm going to click it. I'm going to engage. No, there's actually four different ways that the algorithm is working. So there's a feed and in-feed algorithm. So if you're scrolling on Instagram, that's your feed, right? There's an explore section on your Instagram. If you go to the explore tab, all of that content is aimed directly at you based on exactly what you're engaging with. None of it is chance, right? It's the age old, like, wait a second. I didn't buy those shoes and now it's targeting me on Instagram. Yep, that's exactly what's happening. There's reels um, and then there's stories. So each of these four algorithms you can play into, right? Um, making sure that you are on the feed, you are doing reels, you are doing stories quite frequently, um, and then that you do get into the explore page as well. So four ways that you can really engage on Instagram. Each of these algorithms are based on signals. So signals are the type of action a user takes on the app. In other words, what is the post comprised of? Are you asking them to buy? Are you asking them to share? Are you asking them to like? Are you asking them to DM you? Um, what is the signal that you are asking them to do? That is how the algorithms feed content to you. I can assure you for better or worse, none of it is chance. Um, marketers like us, again, for better or worse, are the ones from a paid perspective perspective targeting you so we can perk your ears and eyes and your buying capabilities within the platform for brands purposes. Um, Instagram prioritizes video. I'm going to be so bold as to say, if you're posting just photos on Instagram, don't bother. Yep. It prioritizes video. Um, and that's really, really important. Again, remember back to the beginning, we don't want vanilla content. We don't want overproduced content. So a lot of times, you know, salon owners or brands might be saying, oh my gosh, who in the world is going to have the budget to do videos every day? Well, remember those six or seven stylists that you're engaging to post on your behalf, they could make a video in 10 seconds, edit that sucker in Canva and have it up in two minutes. We recently did a challenge here at the Evoke Agency. We've got a summit that we do once a quarter. And for something fun, we gathered our teams into small groups and said, make a piece of content. You've got 20 minutes, make a piece of content that represents um, one group had the people, one group had the process, and one group had our clients. And people were flying around here, taking video. It was so cool. I have to share them with you at the end, Tom. Mm -hmm. um, and our content creators, not videographers, right? Our strategy team had their iPhones up, taking videos. They edited it in Canva and had a post over into our shared Google Drive in 20 minutes. And they were amazing. So I think mm -hmm. you just need to tap into your team to do this. So video can be as easy as like hair flip, right? It doesn't need to be like, hello, it's Kelly Ellers from the Evoke Salon, right? Nope, nope, nope. Too overproduced. We want to have a quick take, fun, and showcase the personality and the work that you're doing. 
Also important on Instagram to collaborate with others. So this is new. You might see, um, for example, one popped up in my feed. Uh, a friend of mine has her own Instagram, right? Her personal one. And then she has a jewelry company. And I often don't engage with either. But what I saw in my feed this morning is that the two were in collaboration, which then pushed that content into my feed because I follow both. So the collabs with other users, really important. Let me give you an example of how that could work with the salon. The salon and um, the wine bar down the street, right? They do a collab on come over for sips and clips on Monday night, you know, at seven o'clock at the salon, the wine bar is going to bring wine and treats, and we're going to have $20 trims. I'm totally making this up. Um, How do you then on Instagram, you can collaborate the two Instagram profiles together so that that content is then fed to more people in the algorithm. It's fed to the wine bar and it's fed to the salon. So the algorithms are also preferring collaborations. What they're trying to do is make sure that um, Instagram stays relevant, right? So we've got influencers that are creating content um, and Instagram doesn't like that. They want the content to live on their platform within their two content creators, the wine bar and the salon. Um, And then the other one is, you know, Back in the day, it was really easy to grow an Instagram. It was like, poof, there went our followers. We hit a million, right? This is now nearly impossible. So if you are frustrated and you say to your social media agency or team, why do we not have 50,000 followers yet? It's because it is a slow and steady race. That is about engagement. It's about consistency. It's about favoring the algorithms. And it's going to take a heck of a long time. Unfortunately, Um, the way that you can get around this is paid, right? So Instagram wants all of the money. So does TikTok. So does Facebook. Um, If you are not boosting, if you are not creating ad sets and promotions through Facebook Business Manager on Meta, and you are not putting any paid behind content, you're going to fall lower within the algorithms. Um, You can, there's a variety of ways you can do paid if you want um, lead generation, customer acquisition you can signal those ads for that action. Um, If you want people to like your page or engage with your page, you can pay to do that as well. This doesn't need to be a huge budget. Let's put $5 a day towards it. It needs to be something, $2 a day. How uh, Facebook Business Manager works is it's essentially like a bank account. You put in $100 and say, hey, Facebook Business Manager, I will pay you $5 a day. And here's what I want these ads to do. Encourage people to like my page, encourage people to click through for appointments or referrals, right? Um, And how it works is every time those $5 go away each day, it chips away at that $100 that you put into the bank of Meta. um, And that's kind of how it works. So you can set parameters around that. So that might be a little more than you wanted to know about Instagram. (laughs) Well, you know, I... Yeah, I, you know, community organizes our small business around five different functions of the business, okay. uh, marketing, education, operations, um, human capital and finance. And so this is a this is a great dive into the function of marketing. And I'm certainly going to be pushing this out to all our clients to say, hey, you really need to watch this because it's it's very powerful. And and um, and what you gave us was actually um, a lot of prescriptions around it. So you went a little deeper than most of my guests, <laughs> and which which is totally appropriate and appreciated. So 
Uh, Kelly, great job. Thank you so much today. You bet. bet. Uh, Amazing. It was incredible to share. So uh, everybody, let's uh, let's give um, uh, let's give Kelly a virtual round of applause <laughs> uh, by virtue of a shout. Give her a little bit of feedback. Good morning, Jana. Thanks for your feedback there. Um, and Kelly, you are an official member of a brain trust, uh, which means Ooh. you should have a million dollar light bulb come in your way. I love um, it. And then, and then of course, uh, to stay in touch with us because we have a celebration of light bulb moments next May. And awesome. given you remember the brain trust, we're certainly going to send you an invite. Wonderful. So, I'll be happy just, to be I, there. Yeah, I, I got to call you offline. My, my head is uh, kind of spinning here a little <laughs> bit. So I'll call you later. But your assignment is complete and your contribution okay. is much appreciated. So again, thank you, Kelly. You bet. Thank right. you so much for having me. Shout out to Lightheart Sanders, who helps um, sponsor this uh, podcast and live session as we as well as Ally Health, which is a virtual mental health care. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also watch us on the podcast now. I'm still getting used to the fact that this is also a podcast. So check that out. That's going to be edited version of this. And uh, this is an episode that I personally am going to rewatch myself. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And also, we are looking forward to seeing you next week. We do have a guest next week. You'll find out who that is very soon. And um, we appreciate all of you as we officially enter the fall season, which, as I said in a session about three weeks ago, this is a great time of year, uh, the second new year, September being the second new year, to make really, really great changes and improvements in your business. And certainly the area of marketing, we get a lot of questions and comments on. So uh, here you go. Here's a deep dive into the the, uh, function of marketing led by an expert and someone that believes that, uh, as she says in her motto, I want to make sure I get it right, is the nice girl does win. All right. Thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you very soon.